Hey, y'all, week two of the Fishbowl podcast series coming at you here. And this is one I'm excited about. This is one interview, especially in my early days of interviewing folks uh, over the summer, where I just tried to, as much as I could, shut up, listen, and learn from a hip-hop legend in DJ Premier. Uh, DJ Premier is a guy that I got to know because he liked my charity, Water Boys. Uh, he was donating, he was, you know, really into it, and then came down to an event. Then he became like a little Philadelphia Eagles fan a little bit. Uh, he would come down and check some games out. And then we just got to become uh, buddies. And it's pretty cool, you know, having a guy like DJ Premier, Primo, a hip hop legend in my Rolodex. And so when I had an opportunity to interview him, I jumped at it and the timing was great. He had just, he was actually recording and getting ready to release uh, the new Gangstar album, which dropped over the summer and people love. So again, one of the most respected guys in hip hop, somebody who's still doing it, hustling and grinding in the studio, somebody that brings you great projects, great music, an architect of some of my favorite tunes growing up, and somebody who's still making good music 30 plus years in the game. So without further ado, here's Primo. Check it out, enjoy it. I know I love sitting down with my good friend, hip hop icon, DJ Premier. One thing about you that I think is always interesting is your memory, and like it serves yeah. you well because you've had 30 years of experience. Yeah, you know, after 30 years, I mean, I'm still addicted to putting out albums because I come from the album era where right. now with the digital world, people, yeah, you can stream one single and you know get get millions and millions of <clears throat> of uh, of streams where we. You know, the, the the album concept is has started to diminish. Where you know the era I come from, it was always about you know buying a whole album, even if it was a hot single on the radio. It Bingo. still made you want to buy the album. You came up in an era where you put the record on, and you had to listen to it all the way through. Yeah. And how has music <clears throat> changed in the way people digest it from that standpoint? I just follow the same <clears throat> blueprint of what we were raised on, like. I was 19 going on 20 when the interest was taken to, to sign me to a record deal. So, you know, a lot of the kids now in this generation are in their, their 18, 19, 20s as well, which I got to sometimes go, man, we were actually their age, even right. though the sound is different now. So a lot of the music that we borrow from, especially the sampling era, it borrows some music that we had in our house. You know, my mom had Aretha Franklin, Al Green, the, the Crusaders, you know, Minnie Ripperton, uh, Curtis Mayfield, but then my sister, who's older, she's four years older than I have a sister who's two years older. My sister was into the uh, the Bee Gees and the Beatles and, you know, Carly Simon and, and Van Halen and, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> so then I got a taste of that. Then I get into my era uh, of being into Parliament, you know, Funkadelic, <clears throat> James Brown. Uh, uh, then I was into the Rolling Stones, you know, because uh, all my friends in school. And then plus once you get into the sports era, your, your your other teammates are into right. you know sticks and mm -hmm. you know and, and uh you know ted nugent and yeah. and all that stuff rush acdc and then that starts to mesh with what you're into next thing you get into the hip-hop era they're taking you know like even we walk this way with run dmc i remember when they when they met aerosmith they were like man we didn't even know y'all aerosmith we would like put the toys in the attic record right. on right. you know they just know that then <laughs> get right. the toys in the attic record two copies and keep cutting that beat up so we could rap and do our rhymes. Yeah. So that's how how much of a gap <clears throat> that got bridged through through music pulling all these different sounds together and then also and then becoming a culture. You yeah. know, where I think 
hip hop is one of the only culture uh, genres in music. I like country's a culture to me too because I, I, I grew up in Texas and been around a lot of cowboys. That uh, I used to go to rodeos as a young, as a young kid. Really? You know, yeah, the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, and this is when the Jackson Five would be coming into town on a regular. It yeah. wasn't like a rare, rare thing. Like, oh man, Michael Jackson tickets are on sale. It's like, oh, the Jackson Five are coming again, and right. you'd go to the rodeo and catch them at the Astrodome, right. you know, but when Astroworld was around before the, the, the stadium they have now. So, right. you know, like, that was my childhood upbringing. So all of that is a major part of, and then again, what your parents have in the household, you're usually going to gravitate to as well. I absolutely love this conversation. The first album my parents allowed me to buy was uh, Soundgarden, Super Unknown. Right when it came out, my mom took me to the CD store, snagged it, Still love Chris Cornell to this day, God rest his soul. Uh, but in the 80s, when I was a little kid, we used to listen to Stevie Wonder, uh, Anita Baker, who Primo mentioned, um, Frankie Beverly Amaze. And then in the early 90s, when my dad hit it big with that second and third contract, he got that shiny Suburban, that red Suburban with a tape deck. And we used to listen to everything from Seal to Sade to Counting Crows to Hootie and the Blowfish. But my favorite album, my dad played it on the boat in the summer in Montana, very nostalgic for me. Uh, it's of course Bruce Springsteen's country offshoot uh, called Tunnel Glove. And Tougher Than the Rest, song on that album still does something for me, it reminds me of my dad, a uh, special album. And it's my responsibility to pass on musical taste to my kids. Waylon, of course, my, my oldest son, is named after Waylon Jennings. He loves War on Drugs, he loves My Morning Jacket, and he can name Shuggy Otis songs. He's off to a good start. I wonder if your diversity of musical taste was a huge tool for you that maybe some kids don't have now. Yeah, I don't think you can outgrow cult a culture anyway. Like you, you Jamaicans don't start don't don't stop smoking weed right. or, or say, oh well, you know I'm Neither old. Hey, I'm old now. I'm gonna stop. I'm not gonna grow my dreads. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. hip hop to me is you know the way we dress, you know the way we break our hats down. Right. You know, uh, even the sneakers we buy. I'm still. You know, I, I, I wear older man's clothes, right. but and I don't have back have it hanging off my butt anymore. But right. I still am just in, in just embedded into the whole culture of it. So it's beyond just being a fan of listening to the music. You right. know? So and it carries with me to where um, I'm glad I had so much other styles of music before I got near pop because it still it still feels good when I hear. You know, the Running with the Devil mm -hmm. with, with David Lee Roth, and I'm sitting there doing the guitar when right. Eddie Van Halen's part comes on, and right. then I'm imitating Geddy Lee and 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 uh, Alex Lifeson and Neil Peart on the drums with Rush. You know, like that that stuff still blows me away. Right. You know, it, it, but then so does Prince, so does Michael Jackson, so does the Eagles. You know, just good music. It's good music. Yeah, man. Does being from Houston and then having to make it in New York, mm -hmm. just the the diversity in sound and culture. Yeah. Has that helped you, like you know, you know, in the New York scene, being able to adapt because you made that big adaptation yeah. in high school, moving to to New York and then coming back. Yeah, my thing is, I approach everything from a fan perspective. It's the same approach for me with music. Every time I go into the studio to create, I'm always like, do it like if you are gonna be excited to buy that record when you hear it. Mm -hmm. I, I I always say. I like to make stuff I would buy. Right. So that's my approach every time, but still in a competitive mode. What's harder now? Because, like, like I said, I mean, you're 53 years old, but you're you're more active than these young guys. Yeah. 
you stay busy and you've had projects now that don't quite mirror um, Gangstar, but you've done Prime and, mm-hmm. and, and I know it's slightly mm-hmm. different. What's harder managing a project like that or, or, or a Gangstar project over years? I mean, like, what are the differences in like the beginning of your career, these collaborative efforts, yeah. and the end, not the end, but mm-hmm. the middle of your career? Because I think it worked to your. I, I'll 100. use Christina Aguilera as a good example because when, when we got together to work, she. Uh, I remember a lot of my fans were like, oh, you're working with her, uh, you're going to go mainstream, you're going to soften up your and water down your sound. It's like, no, she likes what I do, and she wants my sound, and she wants to make some hits, and it's like, okay, I'm going in with that mentality the same way I would go in with a Biggie record that I did or a Jay-Z record or a Nas record or even a KRS-One record. So when I went in with her, the same exact mentality is, is, is given to her, but just... I, I, I'm Guru Rest in Peace used to always call me a, a beat tailor mm-hmm. because I tailor it to the artist so mm-hmm. like sitting with her and t- knowing what's on her mind I'm like okay I'm gonna make everything sound like your vision mm-hmm. I remember when we were after the first album Back to Basics the next album that she was working on she uh, she had a pink pool table and uh, she was like uh, I want to discuss my next album. And I was like, okay. She brings a cardboard out, and it had, like, people with pins in their eyes and with blood coming out, and, you know, uh, it might be a, a little baby's face with, you know, an arrow and just all kind of weird stuff, you know, all, st- you know, like cut out of yeah. magazines, all pasted, almost like a ransom note type of thing. Yeah, like True Detective. Yeah, Like, yeah. maybe she's the bad guy. Yeah, and she goes, that's my album. And I was like, got it. I wasn't like, huh? Well, yeah. That's weird. Got it. So now I'm already thinking weird, but still weird pumps, still we could dance to it, still have the emotion that I know she could bring out because yeah. she's such an incredible singer. Oh, her voice. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing mainstream yeah, about her voice. She's so. sick with it. And, and so already, that I didn't have to go, well, damn, man, I don't know what she means. I totally, I totally got it just from that poster. Do you prefer working with artists that when you walk in, they have a plan, or do you like somebody who's pretty malleable? And then, like, also, through your career early on, you're up and coming, so you're producing artists. Right. Is that, like, a peer-to-peer relationship, and is it more of, like, a coach-to-player relationship now? There's got to be artists who are real type A. There's got to be ones that just say, fuck it, and they just, like, Jay-Z's the most famous one that everybody's like, one take, he just walks in. Yeah, it's either or for me. For me, if they don't have an idea, I'm already there. Like, well, this is what I envision you sounding over my stuff right um if they haven't jay always would always call me and say hey i got this song i want to do and he would literally do the rhyme over the phone acapella and say it's gonna be this it's gonna be called this i wanted to do like when we did a million and one questions and rhyme no more as one uh two songs merged together on the uh on his uh, in my lifetime volume Mm -hmm. one he told me how he wanted to do it. He said, and then before it goes into rhyme no more, I wanted to break down. He said, he said those those things you do with the breakdown. So I was like, all right. Whenever he finishes, he said, okay, you know. And, and he 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 even calls me memory man one time because he said you always remember everything. Yeah. And then uh, I, I said, okay, cool. And then um, I remember when he came to D and D Studios, which was very well known for underground hip hop, and a, a, a lot of good music came out of there. He he would. Uh, I remember he came with Too Short that day because they were working on a song called A Week Ago. Mm-hmm. So they're in one room. I'm working on the first half. I call him in there. I say, hey, listen to the first part. He goes, I like it. Let me let me record it. He records mm-hmm. it. All right, I'm going back in there with Too Short to finish working on this right. song. I started working on Rhyme No More. Say, yo, I'm done. He comes in, listens to it. That's it. 
does that. He goes, okay, and then he used to go, okay, do the premiere thing. Like, he doesn't sit there going, I got to watch and be stand mm -hmm. over you. He knows I got the rest. Mm -hmm. His part is done. He's back in the other room. And when he's ready to go, he's, uh, he's like, see you later. Just send me a finished product when you're done. Actually, I was talking to somebody recently in the industry, and they said, like, Chuck Berry used to, he show up, didn't matter who was in the band. He'd play with, you Anybody. know, a hundred different people on a tour. He'd say, like, fuck it, I can show up and I can, I can rock and roll. Nice. So you've got that end of the spectrum. Yeah. But what's the cerebral end of the spectrum? Who have you worked with that was very meticulous? And I don't mean this in like a it's 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 a negative. It's yeah. just a different way of doing things. Um, really Karis one really? meticulous. Yeah, he's it, it. You know, he wants it the way he wants it. Cause uh, like you said, I definitely have a coach approach where uh, you know, like I'll say, hey, you, you your line you squeaked right there. Let's come back and fix that. Uh, or you don't sound like you're delivering it right the mm. way your lyrics are written proper, but say it more like this. And yeah. like, I'm not t telling you how to rap, but it's not convincing me the as a list. Yeah, the delivery. Yeah. And, they, you know, and, they, and they'll fix it. Um, I, I've never had anybody fight me on it, you know, and stuff like that. But KRS One is like, <laughs> that's the way, and that's the way. And that's somebody who's got clout. Yeah, and, and somebody that I looked who you up might to. think of as as, a, as an icon. And oh like, yeah, yeah. So so you can you can you're more liable to work with somebody eye to eye. I'm very selfish when it comes to the recording process because that fan thing I told you yeah. that, uh, before is still. Like, no, in order for it to be where everybody's going to really mess with it, it has to be this way that I vision it for the final outcome because I have a DJ mentality as well. And DJs, we're we're meticulous because, right. but, but, well, street DJs. I, I like to be considered a street DJ. Street DJs break records from just saying, that's hot, I'm playing this. Right. My radio show that I do on Sirius XM, Strictly breaks banging records that sound like the the era of what we call the purest form. Right. The purest form is dope beats, dope rhymes, scratching, and just it it just has to sound like that. The ones that you know, a lot of people that don't have scratching on it, we're just like, yo, where's the scratch? The same thing with mixtapes. Oh, I'm putting out a new mixtape. The mixtape in our era was DJs mixing and blending and cutting it up, maybe some shout-outs or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's mixed. And now everybody's doing a mixtape, and I'm like, no, it's a compilation because right. it's just some new songs, and there's no scratch. It's not a mixtape. Yeah, the definition or... got taken into a whole different context, and it's like, who the That's fuck That's disappointing because I thought I had a lot of mixtapes. <laughs> I used to have all the fucking, uh, the, the, you know, the, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd pay for, like, you know, Dat Piff. And yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I probably had, like, Got Perp volume, like, 47. <laughs> yeah. And I thought I had mixtapes. I still I go to datpiff.com yeah. and, okay. and grab Plug stuff. But for that Piff. Yeah, and, and, uh, but then, yeah, they're not mixtapes. Yeah, and and even mixtape. me, I'm like, who the fuck changed this shit to yeah. mixtape where my mixtapes are mixtapes? There's, there's cutting, there's scratching, there's blending. All those elements are there where you're like, yo, this shit is hot. I'm going to just keep playing it. And, you know, I got to give you a stack of my old mixtapes from back love in the it. day. Yeah, I, I, gotta, and I, I don't even know why I didn't think about bringing these to you. So, yeah, I mean, like you talked about, I, I'd heard you say this before that my, <clears throat> in so many words, my scene is still here. Right. You just have to know where to find it. Absolutely. So how do you reconcile wanting to be commercially successful but sticking to, to 
and I, this is more for artists, right? right? You you can call the shots now, mm -hmm. but like an up and coming artist who's got the ability, how does somebody like a J Cole do both, right? Because I would assume he he sticks to the integrity of his music and the lyrical content. Well, he was educated by the right people. Yeah. I remember uh, DJ Dummy, who was his DJ. Uh, he was also Common's DJ. Uh, um, I know he just retired and shot the dummy. Uh, and then his brother's LS1, DJ LS1 is Onyx's DJ. And mm -hmm. Onyx had a nice period of running things when they were doing, doing their platinum years. But Dummy is a what we call a battle DJ. Battle DJ we respect as well because they're from our cloth. You know, they, they, I'm not a battle DJ, but I, I do battle stuff that makes battle DJs uh, check for what I do when mm -hmm. it comes to scratching because my... Uh, uh, I love the name that Guru gave me. He said, I, I scratch with maddening accuracy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I like that name, yeah. you know. So battle DJs, we're, we're, we're another level of the, of the world of what we do. And we are so deep-rooted into the underground that our, our, our education on the whole thing, we probably know every single part of it. So when he was on tour with J. Cole in his younger years, one day I was on the phone with him for something. Maybe he needed me to send him a song or something like that. I'm like, yeah, how's everything going with Cole? He said, man, good. He said, man, you know what I love about him? He's young, but he said, I showed him some videos on the tour bus. He said, I showed him B Street and Breaking. Mm -hmm. He said the next day when he got on the bus, he goes, yo, Kenny. Kenny is the DJ, known as Double K. And he said he's going to make it someday on B Street. If you know Beat Street, you know the, the guy to play the manager would always call Kenny Kenne, and and you, you, and you got to say it that way because yeah. then it's like, oh, I know you, you're talking, you're, you already know he's referencing that movie, yeah. just like if you do uh, reference something from Sopranos or Casino mm -hmm. or Goodfellas, same thing, or even uh, uh, Scarface. Mm -hmm. So he took it and was like, wow, this is amazing. Same thing with Wildstyle. So the fact that he he's now in love with our era that he missed as a child. He actually appreciates it to where now his level of, of longevity is going to increase because those things are very important in the culture of your your occupation and your your, your profession. Like when I think of a somebody aging well in hip hop, I think of Jay Z. Right. You know, not to keep bringing him up, but no, he is. But he's, to you're, me, you're correct. Late eighties. <clears throat> you know, he's a totally different dude with the heavy chains mm -hmm. and. Uh, in, uh, and then in, in the mid '90s, some of his his most iconic hits and, and yeah. favorite albums of mine, at least, were in '96. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you, it spans, you know, 23 years yeah. to you know 2018 or whenever uh, 444 came out. Yeah, it's lyrically totally different. Yeah. How does an, an artist get that staying power, and how do they adjust their lyrical content, their brand, mm. a little bit, and do that responsibly without abandoning who they are? Um, I mean, it, it, you. For using the most simplest terms, it's like he gets it. He totally gets it. And that's the thing that will will make you last is you get it. Like, you could take him back to talking about the 70s of hip-hop all the way up to knowing who Lil Baby is and knowing who, who Juice World is, you know, you know who Post Malone is, you know, and, and even a Mac Miller, God bless him. You yeah. know, it's like we know that stuff and we know, we know their songs. Right. But... And not all of them, and not all of them, but some of them, most of them may not know our, our songs or care. You talked about people that that influenced you, and, and somebody that's popped up a few times is, is Guru. I mean, mm -hmm. like, what was Guru like? I mean, is there a Guru story that sums him up, or 
What did you learn from him the most? Mainly uh, that he's so he's so on another level of intelligence and and his writing because he, he when it comes to MCs, your wordplay and being a wordsmith is really the 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 one of the one of the most important keys to being a successful art, artist and MC. Because the, the, we, we separate them. There's rappers and there's MCs. Guru's an MC. You know, Jay-Z's an MC. You know, they're, 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 most of the kids now are rappers. And that's cool because, uh, as we say, uh, rap is something you do. Hip-hop is something you live. So we are on the hip-hop side of it. They're on the rap side of it. And rappers don't take the entire culture seriously. They're just doing it either for another way out. They're like, man, this is easy. I can do that. I can rap and make a hot record. But... That, that doesn't they mean they might be in it for the ride. Oh yeah, yeah. Most of them are. They see the cars, and I'm like, well, most of that shit's rented. And the Lamborghinis rented. The chains are rented. The the chicks are rented. Does fiction matter? Does it matter that do, some dudes are full of shit? Does, um, does there need to be it, some authenticity at some point in their life. I don't mind fiction if it's done right, and and you can you know like Good luck with that, right? you know what I'm saying? Because like Rock him, which I see there's a Rock him yeah. record over there. He would talk about how he would shoot you, but he's saying it like, I'll destroy you right now and rap better than you by killing you off right. because you're not as slick as me with my pen. Mm -hmm. But then you got all the, the, the hip hop, the gangster shit where they're like, yo, I murder motherfuckers and I kill them mm -hmm. and I sell them bricks of coke mm -hmm. and they haven't sold one brick and they probably don't even know how much it weighs. Right. You know what I'm saying? Where, <laughs> like, some of us have had experience right. in all of that stuff but and then won't promote that in records. Right. You know, I know people that are that are certified, you know, former killers that will, that will do party records like, hey, hey, and you'll be like, man, they do some soft shit but we'll fuck you up if you want to test them. Right. You know, so they don't want to be known for being uh, you know, gangsters right. or anything. They want to be known for having fun and having a good time. I Can remember. Can you tell the difference? Most times, yeah. And you, in hip hop, you're going to be checked on who you know and where you come from. When when somebody comes out, especially if they're getting a buzz, we're like, where's he from? Oh, he's from so and so. Okay, well, we know so and so. Let me check and see if he's official. I mean, even when we moved from Texas and, and grew from Boston, we were still connected to people that were connected to people that that are certified and because you have to get your your hood pass you really do i mean if you don't have a hood pass it's going to reflect on especially if you're doing street that's why records. I, that's why we filmed this in williamsburg right. I'm, I'm good at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean like yeah i'm sure it varies i mean people i mean if your art's good you could be from anywhere but like yeah. to me it would it, it would appear to me if you don't have any rap like just act like you yeah yeah you know? exactly act like you and we're fine with that i remember when we used to shoot videos in the hood the grimy guys that really hold the block down were like yo man i love y'all's music i love how y'all rep um uh y'all y'all can shoot in our projects we will make sure you protect you ain't got no problems don't put us in the video and that even that now with the with the the social media and instagram and snapchat all these, all the wild dudes that really are handling their business, showing their money, showing That's the guns, showing this though. and that, and it's like, and then all of a sudden they're, they're going to jail, and it's like, 
Right. Where's that? Where's that line? Because like on one hand, like it seems to me like you could incriminate yourself in music. Absolutely. And Absolutely. On, on Instagram. And, yeah. What you put out there, the younger guys need to be schooled on that. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's almost like common sense because your your music and what you put out there does attract a certain type of audience. I mean, we did it. We we all of our records had a message. Even so, like just to get a rep and. Tons of guns and records like that. Even Mass Bill, when we were making fun of radio, watering things down, yeah, and became one of our biggest hits. It's, yeah. it's but we understood, and then we were older uh, as we, and and it, you know, like Gangstar Guru always said, Gangstar represents three things: street, uh, streetwise, uh, spirituality, and intelligence. So we're a mix of all three of those. I went to college; we were college educated. But we still like to have fun and be loose. You know, I, I love to party. We used to have a frat house type mm -hmm. of a environment when we lived together. Mm -hmm. It was always girls coming in and out. It was always, you know. You guys were like literally family members, and it is what it seemed like. Fights. You'd fight. I mean, oh, yeah. the, talk about the one fight. Uh, you holes know, I, in the you wall. You got something that's cooler than a tattoo on yeah. you. That, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the two marks right here. When uh we, we got into it and I got I got him in a hole and he just bit me and the, the teeth marks have never gone away so and it's, it's funny tough motherfucker huh yeah, they, they, yeah, well, what it is with Guru is he you know I'm stronger than him and I can like literally lift him and throw him I, yeah. I used to bail hay so you know the yeah. the the the, 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 the what they call the country, country strong to New York yeah you will literally throw him across the room and as soon as you're like. Ooh, now leave me alone. You'll turn, and by the time you get to the door, all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere, almost like remember Fatal Attraction when she yep. just popped yep. out of the yep. water. Yep. It's very uh, dumb and dumber when he pops back up yeah. in the doggy bag. Same thing. It's like, like what the? And then yeah. you, you, you fight Can't again. Now stop. Yeah. You walk back out, and he back on you. Fuck you. And it's like it's like it's like somebody gave him a, a battery shock and. And put it right back on full charge. But you, know? you were able to go right back in the studio. Yeah, with I'm talking about busted lips, bandages on our heads, bandages around our hands, and going to make a banging record. And and then him at? leaving the studio, going fuck you, you fucking bitch, <laughs> I hate you, and leave another hit. <laughs> is that rare now though? I'm sure every crew. I, you know what it is? A lot of the in hip hop, at least for us, from, from seeing it all happen with so many groups that we wish didn't break up. We kind of already know what their story is going right. to be before they even get to that part right. because we understand you start off with your entourage. We used to be 100 deep, then, you know, then, then 90 deep, then 80 deep. Right. I only have seven people around me pre predominantly. Right. You know what I'm saying? A lot of those guys were, didn't really have real love for you. And, and you know, and even that, having, having the biggest crew or posse. Yeah, when did that peak? When did that peak? Like are we out of that phase where everybody has to have 100 people around them or No. No, they're still rappers that's rolling deep. Some of them have to based off of what, what, how they how they're living. Understood. Some of them don't. Um again, and and then when I even like I said when I rewind the tape, I'm like, "Well, man, we weren't in our 30s yet and we was rolling like that." So right. as you get older, you start to realize, especially once you start to go across the, and go see the other part of the world by going to Europe. Once you travel, I had friends that never been on a plane. I had friends that didn't even know how to get, that born and raised in Brooklyn, didn't know how to get to the Bronx or to get to the city. And it's like, yo, how do you and not now, know? now they're on a tour around yeah, the world. So. Tour around you got to surround yourself with people you trust. Because, I mean, yeah. like, New York seems like a place you got to be on your toes. Mm -hmm. You grew up in neighborhoods, you're supposed to be on your toes. Yep. 
now you've given all this money and fame. Mm-hmm. My reaction naturally would be to surround myself with as many people I think I trust as possible. Yeah, <clears throat> and 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 you got to sift that out because we didn't come, we weren't born and raised with them as kids. You know, all of my close friends from Texas, we're still that tight. Like when mm-hmm. I go home for Christmas, I always go to Texas, and when I get there, it's like, it's like what's up, you, what's up, you bitch ass motherfucker? <laughs> oh man, yeah. we, we doing that tonight? Yeah, and it's just right back. To, it's not right where famous. You, you know, I'm not famous, Chris. That way right. at home, I'm just regular old Chris. It, it, it it's right where we left off. My mom was an art teacher, so <clears throat> a lot of that, the art and the, the the graffiti and drawing and all that comes, you know, which is part of hip hop. You know, I love graffiti and all that stuff, and and that also translated into how we communicate as well. You know, just from graffiti and just you know d- equating that with you know the the how the Egyptians did it with all the hieroglyphics and there's stuff so like much that fucking graffiti <clears throat> in New York, and it's really cool. Like mm-hmm. I like the look of it. Yeah, I never see people doing it. No, there's spots, and then but we, like, what, get, do you ever catch people like driving by? Like to me, I was in the car yesterday. I was like, there's so much fucking cool graffiti. How does yeah? Do people <clears throat> like? Are they like ninjas? Like, yeah, you got to know how to. You got to be low to like yeah. tag. Like, yeah, you got to be low. Cause it is it like is it like do you still get like hit hard like legally? For oh that? yeah, yeah. That, 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 of course, vandalism to them where we look at it as art. Um, street art. And yeah. street art is expensive. If you want to get a mural Absolutely. done. It's like mm. a lot of money, but like some of these people are doing it for free. Yeah, uh, you know, um, like I, I got a Banksy. Uh, mm-hmm. I did a party for him because one of the DJs couldn't do it. I don't know, was it Questlove? I, I, I don't know if it was Questlove, but he couldn't do it. And uh, I remember when uh, we were negotiating the business, you know, I'm like, for, for one, doing a, a Banksy party, right. it's like, oh shit. Yeah. <clears throat> and plus he's invisible, so it's like, man, maybe I get to meet him. Right. They were like, no, nah, you, know, you don't get to meet him. And we're like, well, what, what is it? I remember I was with Dr. Dre, and uh, he was like, yeah, so you're doing a fancy party? He said, man, probably going to get to, you know, touch hands Link and dab up, them yeah. up. I was like, well, they already said we don't get to meet them and nothing like that. And, and uh, you know, and plus, uh, I don't think we're getting paid. And he goes, he, so you just going out there? I said, no. Um, he said, man, what kind of business you doing? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, <clears throat> we're actually getting a a uh, personal painting done for for us as the payment. Mm-hmm. Dre goes, fuck that, take the painting. <laughs> you know, yeah. he even paused yeah. for a minute. We're looking at him like, because I, I, like, really? I value Dre's opinion. opinion. Yeah. yeah, and he goes, man, fuck that, get the painting, fuck the money. Sure, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, because he's in the art. And yeah. I, yeah, he has a nice retina, you know, which I which I want a retina. Yeah. And eventually, and I, I've even... Uh, have liked Retina stuff on yeah. Instagram, and he finally DM'd me like, "Yo, man, love your music." And I'm like, "Wow, Retina hit me so, up." So, do you get so you you get starstruck sometimes? Hell yeah! Who do you get starstruck? Yeah. Well, who's some of you met and you were like, um, see, me and Dre met in the early NWA days because they gained uh, one our first Gangstar party. So, but I've always been a huge fan of him. <clears throat> um, who uh, who's somebody? Uh, Stanley Clark, uh, bass okay. player. I'm, I met a Cornell West. I was. Uh, I oh, was you love me, Cornell. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wow. I and saw him in the airport. He knew exactly who you were. No, he didn't. Oh, really? No, I saw him in the airport and just was like, you know, he saw that big afro, and I'm like, I'm going up. He's to... buried in books. Yeah, just, he's not. And, I saw Kareem sliding out of the ESPYS, and I was like, listen, I never do this. I don't like asking anybody for pictures. And I was like, hey man, can I can I get a picture? With you? I'm so sorry. I didn't know. If, I figured he didn't know who I was, but yeah. I was just at the ESPYS. <clears throat> I was like, he's not gonna know who I am. And at first, he was kind of like, yeah, yeah, man, let's do it. Like, you know, but I'm trying to get on the move. Yeah. And then I guess his uh, 
his handler was like, hey, that's Chris Long, it's Howie's son. Right. And they were cool from L.A. So then he pulls me outside, and I talked to him for like 10 minutes. Wow. Coolest fucking guy. <clears throat> I fanboy, fanboyed out a couple times. Yeah, I got the opposite. See, I, I, I got that with Kareem. Uh, I was going to the airport, early flight. I'm like, no one, it, it, we're going through security. No one's around, so I'm like, this is the best time because it's not busy. If it was busy, I already, I'm like, nah, don't move right. on him. It's no one around, and he just got the security. He's putting his shoes on. Right. I'm like, I'm like, sir, yeah, you're such a legend, you know. Uh, is there anywhere I can take a picture? He goes, no, not right now. <laughs> and and he, he goes, I can't. He, no, he said, I can't do that right now. And he right. said it like that with an attitude, yeah. and I was just like. So I did a post yeah. where I go, you know, I just got fronted on by Kareem. And I'm showing him because he's walking off, and I'm just like, there he is. And I posted on Instagram, like, yo, man, he just played me. And He's not on Instagram, so he never saw yeah, yeah. it. If he knew who you were, I bet he would have anyway. been super cool. But also, I know that, like, somebody, it's one thing to be a football player and be, like, kind of famous, but yeah. you got a helmet on all the time. Mm -hmm. That basketball player fame is different. Your fame's good because yeah. you're behind the scenes pulling all the strings, and you got to be a real dedicated fan to, right. to, to know your face and, like, mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. football's nice, but those basketball players, not just their faces in the camera, but they're tall yeah. as fuck. Yeah. So when a basketball player walks <laughs> in to an airport, everybody knows it's yeah. a fucking basketball and they start Googling. Uh -huh. That's gotta get old. Yeah, I just thought he was gonna say, Okay, let's do it real quick. That's and the he, worst you got in big goes, time. No, I can't do that right. And he said it like that, like like how dare you ask me right now for a picture? And I was like, Yeah, if, what's your code? Do you have a pet peeve when dealing with a fan? That you're like, um, if they do this, it's gonna bother me. Don't put, don't put your your shit on the phone and press play and stick it to my ear. Right. I can't hear the bass. I can't. I need to hear it in a car. That happens a lot, huh? Or a, it, it, at least hey, walk up to you in a big boom box and just play See, it. Do you I'm get like, people that come up like, you know how normal motherfuckers get like people that come up and say, hey, listen to my mixtape. Yeah. I get people saying like they yeah. don't even know I play football. Right. Like I had a guy give me my, uh, his mixtape recently. At this this place I go to eat, and I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do with this? Like, yeah. like I can't put you on. Like, people probably come up to you left and right. A lot, yeah. Uh, like I said, I've been in barber shops, and I'm sitting there. You know, when they start doing your hair, and you kind of just even close your eyes a little yeah. bit. All of a sudden, I hear another look, and the guy's got the phone going, "Yo, this is my man. Check him out." And I'm like, "Dude, I can't hear it." He goes, "Oh, let me turn it up." And I'm like, "No, because I can't hear the beat." <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds like it's coming through a little tin speaker. That's awful. At least bring the little fucking portable uh, uh, Beats by Dre speaker or something and plug it in. Guys probably got a droid or something like that. Yeah, some I, I can't. I'm like, I can't enjoy it like that. Every we come from the era of testing it in cars and and a big radio, so that's still my testing ground because that was the way we, we made them for the cars. Guys had systems. We made it for them. You know, yeah. we, we want them to drive by blasting our stuff. You same thing with the mixtapes. I know if I give it to my man Walt, and he's got a booming system, he's gonna drive through the whole neighborhood blasting everybody and be like, "Yo, where, where are you getting that?" That's home? a great way to promote. Yeah, and 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 that's <clears throat> that's how all the records. That's why you heard the eight oh eight, the boom boom. Mm -hmm. That came from people having car stereos. And look for a long time now that the car stereos are a little more sophisticated now. Where you can just buy it from off the the lot in their factory now. You know. The, yeah, it's almost like now. It's if you have like to me as a thirty four year old man, if right. I have bass in my trunk like in college i had like all these tw i'd save up twelves and, like, and, and it'd <laughs> be obnoxious 12s. loud music yeah i had a couple twelves and i had an expedition <clears throat> with 24s on it yeah <laughs> like the bubble one yeah the sled i never thought when i made it big and had my own interview show i'd be talking about the sled that was an early 2000s model 
uh, Ford Expedition. It was the bubble I had it in college. I saved up for 24s, nice shiny 24s, of course. They, they were in back then. I had the subwoofers in the back. Everybody knew this sled. Um, I didn't want to sell it when I got to the league because it went through a lot of trouble to try to find you know the very specific market that would buy an Expedition on 24s. Uh, so I gave it to a teammate who gave it to an ex-girlfriend, who gave it to somebody else. Uh, so if you're out there and you have the sled, please take care of it. Um, it means a lot to me. Maybe you could sell it back to me. Hit me up on Twitter, IG. Oh, you're watching the fishbowl and you have the sled. Give me my truck back, please. I love vintage. I love vintage. Me too. Did like you have an expensive habit, a car? Or like, I mean, nah, like a, something man, you I don't on. care if I had 40 million right now. I wouldn't get a, a Bugatti. I wouldn't yeah. get a, 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 a probably, I definitely would probably get a Ferrari. That would be the biggest, the, the a Ferrari, because I'm. Well, that's I, great restraint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's only two hundred k. Fuck that two million dollar yeah. car. I want the. Yeah. Uh, the you well, know, it's, it's like two million. It's absurd. And then you yeah. see people crash it. Look at uh, who, uh, Tracy, who Tracy, Tracy Morgan. Yeah, just yeah. crashed his uh, was Uber it a driver. Yeah, a two million dollar guy. He had just taken off the lot. Did he play it cool? He when he got out he. I hit the other car with the, you know, on the glass, like, what the fuck? You know, and, and the footage is, you know, viral. Uh, yeah. And not even that. I remember I got into, even that, the viral thing, you, it's just so different because even a situation like that, next thing you know, he, he was he was the front page of the New, New York yeah. Daily News the next day. And uh, I remember I got into it with a guy who bumped my car because we wanted to merge and I let one guy in and I let another guy in. I'm not going to let three in. So yeah, I was, it's a code. It's one, one. Yeah. If you let two in, you're Yeah, you're and even saint. that's, yeah. He gets mad and tries to do it, and I cut him off. Like, no, because you saw me let two other right. people in. And he's, I mean, he's so ever slightly love tapped my bumper where I felt the, the truck do it a little. Like on purpose? I, I guess just to still uh, move in. To the degree, brand new, I have a brand new truck. Yeah. To the degree where I wasn't even worried. Like, I just love yeah. tap. We get to the light. He cuts me off and gets out the car. Yeah. I get out and go, you don't want it with me, motherfucker. So I get out to, to fight him. I hear a lady go, whip his ass, Premier. I like this Shut going, whip up. his ass, Premier. I got your back. I look, and there's a lady on the corner who spotted me. And she's like, I got you. Film it so that if you whip him, right. I'm going to be your defense. Right. I'm like, no, no. Yeah, so now I'm like, camera off. so... I'm about, I'm just like, turn that off, turn that off. And she goes, nah, I got your back. I said, no, just turn it off, please. The guy gets in this guy, he saw my my rage, and I haven't road rage, I can't even remember when. Plus, he it's got a in the car. time. It is, yeah, you get shot and get killed, man. So he gets in the car, and uh, cause what it was, when he got out, he started beating on my, on my car, and it's like, you tapped you me, tap me from behind. It ain't like I hit well, you Well, I've from never behind. seen somebody in traffic be like, I was wrong. Yeah. I wanted to take a, a turn into, into the industry, um, on some more serious um, stuff. I mean, you you work with Mac Miller, God rest his mm -hmm. soul. Everybody I talk to in the industry just had this reverence for him mm -hmm. and this appreciation for the guy he was. You know, substance abuse being a big issue in society today. Yeah. In football, mental health, all this. We're having mm -hmm. this awakening. Is it is it time in hip hop where people start looking out for each other more? Just like the rest of society. It's so tricky because. Um, you know, we all have 
or in most cases, know somebody, especially in our industry, you know, from sports to music, anything entertainment. But music is a different animal because you guys, your sleep schedules, yeah. your, your travel schedules yeah. on tour, like, mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine. And just the... Uh, the, the, the influences, yeah, yeah. Even, like you said, the, even the parties you go to, it's around you. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't partake, it's still around you, and that's a temptation because mm -hmm. it's like, damn, everybody's enjoying themselves, everybody's doing it. I'm not into that, but I'm on the bus or I'm yeah. in the hotel, like I got to step out well, for. You know, what's it like? Because everybody looks like they're having a good time, and the the aftermath. Oh man, we did this last night with this person, this person, and then it gets to a point where you either want to partake and then, and then especially if you're amateur to it the ones that are the amateur usually turn out the ones that just can't stop and they go really off the deep end mm -hmm. and then they just can't they, they just stay in escape mode and you know obviously most drugs are in escape right <clears throat> um but especially you know substance abuse period but for us i mean you know i'm glad i've been blessed to turn off the switch when i party you know, to this very day, I've always known, okay, party's over, tomorrow I got I to gotta work. Yeah. And I'll literally approach it that way. I don't care if I'm hung, hung over. I'll literally go to work and get the hangover off by either drinking another drink or taking an Advil or something like that and literally go back to that was yesterday and, and back to work. A lot of people can't do that. And if they're in our circle and, and they're our loved ones, uh, good example, rest in peace to DJ AM. Uh, he had a crack addiction years ago, uh, you know, then he had the plane crash with uh, Travis Barker. What we now know is that there were six people on that Learjet. Four of them have died, two survived. We have identified the survivors this morning, both well-known in the music industry. One, Travis Barker, the former drummer for the group Blink-182, and the second, Adam Goldstein, known as DJ AM, a popular DJ in California. And he and I made the uh, uh, this sneakers called Rivals for Nike. He did a dunk and I did Air Force One. <clears throat> he represented the West Coast. I represented the East Coast. Uh, I never made a sneaker before. He's a sneaker junkie. And we were friends from since he was 14 years old. I've known him. So AM, <clears throat> um, I remember after they had the plane, the, the, the plane crash right when uh, Che and and uh, little Chris got, uh, died in the crash, and uh, him and Travis obviously survived. We're eating at a spot, a really popular spot in the city, um, with me and a couple other DJ friends of ours, and he goes, uh, I, well, I was like, man, I don't, I've never made a sneaker, and he said, well, the dunks I have on now, I'm gonna do the dots, the platter dots, like the turntable, and I'm gonna put it here, and whatever, whatever. Plus, Nike gave us the materials. They gave us like four or five materials, and they say you can only make it out of these so if you want to take the suede part and put it here you can yeah. put it wherever you want but only these materials you use right i made my sneaker he made his and he didn't know like my my party hard pass yeah, we we smoke weed together yeah. so i never we never looked at weed as a drug so uh <clears throat> to get but then he went to you know crack and things like that and just going way beyond yeah. doing the pills and he said after the i was like man i don't i know you don't want to talk about the crash he goes no i'll tell you the whole thing and i was like you don't have to he goes no i want to and he explained he, he you know what it was like uh what happened i mean you could tell he totally remember the whole scenario he said dude he said, I'm, I, I fly commercial only because I'm more comfortable that way and the blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, they, they, they prescribe me these pills, whatever, whatever. And then I knew he, he had done, he started doing that show for MTV or VH1. Yeah, was it gone too far? I think it was. And uh, he, had, he had to 
talk other people that had addictions out of doing drugs. Right. And I remember when he went to the store and the, 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 I think it was a female, she went to buy, to buy we call it a stem, the, the crack pipe. Yeah. Uh, she went to buy a stem and I remember he goes, man, I haven't held one of these in like 11 years. I'm about to enter what I would call the creepy hood. When I used to smoke crack and I was on my way to cop and you pull in, you just get that nervousness. Kind of got my eyes peeled everywhere because drugs are easy to find, let me tell you. Because I used to go with him to some of his uh, 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 Alcoholic Anonymous meetings because we were friends and I'd be in LA. He's like, yo, come with me to my AA meeting or, or and take my car or whatever. Right. And I got a gig tonight, come right. with me. and. All types of stuff. We were hanging like that. And he's like, yo, Prince is doing a private party. Uh, they's performing at the Roxy, and me and him would go. How do you stay clean in, in an atmosphere like that? He was totally clean still at that point. I told him about some of my other usages that I, uses that I did back in the day. And he's like, nah, man, I never thought, of, thought you ever did stuff like that. He said, it, it never showed on you, and it, you don't have that, that reputation of that being in your life. I'm like, yeah, well, I've always known how to cut it off and move on. Mm -hmm. Right before he died, he texted me on my phone and said, hey, do you ever think about going back to that stuff? And that was scary to me because I'm like, why are you asking me that? And, of course, I put, hell no. Two days later, they were like, yo, uh, I remember Al called me and was like, yo, uh, AM's dead. Because it's a slippery slope, right? Because yeah. you're like... I see a problem. I don't want to assume something about mm -hmm. somebody. I don't want to barge in on them or yeah. bust up, you know, their situation or, yeah. or, or, you know, start an inter intervention. But like mm -hmm. we see warning signs in our friends. And, yeah. And hey. it's just, it's a good conversation to have, you know, with our industry with, I mean, I figure mm -hmm. when you're talking to younger guys, like, yeah, it's just, we all know the horror stories, right? Yeah, I would have loved to have been, to have been like, yo, dude, uh, let's talk. Cause, There's cause, players I wish I'd done that well, with. Well, I was going to do it because we were going to Vegas to launch the sneaker. Mm -hmm. Two days before we're going to launch our sneakers with Nike Big Campaign, mm -hmm. he's gone. And mm -hmm. when they when they said he... Uh, well, I remember when uh, one of his uh, guys that's close to him uh, called me later and I'm like, yo, what happened? He said, yo, did And he said he, what, he felt, you know, he got back on the, on the pipe and on the crack and everything else and obviously when they found him dead he had a crack pipe in, you know, on him and you know and pill in his mouth and yeah. I was just like damn you know because I really thought he's not going back there because he's been super clean it just goes to show you how like when once you're an addict it's always there and that's oh yeah it's a fight every it's day like, it's like, like like me losing weight I, I'll lose it get back in shape and then all of a sudden I swell back up again because it's about maintaining the, the keeping it it's off. Just there's everybody's got a vice. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got something that that they struggle with. No question. And 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 I think you know like outwardly talking about it helps people. I like the fact that in our our business people are talking more about mental health. Yeah, big you time. You know, uh, people need to talk more about it. People need to talk mm -hmm. more about substance abuse because as men, we're supposed to bury all that. Absolutely. And and, and a lot of eras of dudes especially older dudes that grew up in a in an era where it was like that's weak mm -hmm. you know and i just think it's it, it it's <clears> cool <throat> when you see guys able to step out and talk about their their yeah. demons or their issues because mm -hmm. because you realize you're not alone anything you're struggling with i always feel like when i'm struggling with something yeah i think like well somebody just down the street struggling with the same thing it yeah. makes me feel a little bit better about it what's the royalty check you get <clears throat> that you're always like Holy shit! Like this is still coming in, or yeah, uh, Gangstar, 
Uh, Biggie. Yeah. Yeah, the Biggie checks have been nice. I'm uh, sure the Biggie checks are nice. Yeah, the Jay-Z checks got nicer as, mm-hmm. I guess, as his uh, situation got got different. Um, I know yeah. when my dad gets royalty <laughs> checks for fucking Firestorm or Broken Arrow because he comes upstairs and he's like, check this shit out. People are still buying it. What about something? Everybody asks you what your favorite record you recorded. Mm-hmm. What's one that maybe did well, but you're like, I can't listen to that shit anymore. I don't Ooh. like it. Because, like, you know, people change. People's tastes change. Yeah, I like more of my underground stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so do you resent one hit <clears throat> that you're like, kind of like, yeah? I wasn't into doing the Limp Biscuit record because my manager at that time had pushed me to do it. And I didn't consider Fred Durst, who is a, who's a crazy cool dude. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure he's yeah, awesome. And he, when he came to you, he said, I'm not a good Yeah, rapper. yeah, exactly. He he didn't, and that's what I liked about him. And then he really got me open when he goes, dude, I have your Tape Kings tapes. I was like, you got Tape Kings? Sick. If you, you, to know Tape Kings back then, you had to be in the know of the scene. So when he said, I got your Tape Kings tapes, I love Head Over Wheels by G-Dev, I'm like, that's beyond underground. Yeah. I'm doing okay. the record. Yeah. And then I'm Method Man was on it. Yeah. So Yeah, and Meth, I mean like with Meth, it's like, yo, I'm I'm in. Take. And the thing is, the end together now with Limp Biscuit, six million sold. It's not necessarily your favorite, yeah, but Yeah, six million said, you know, and the plaque is on the wall. So, so what's we talked <laughs> about regions. What's the most underrated region that MCs are coming out of that maybe people overlook? Or what's the next region that mm. people overlook? Wow, that's a good question. Shoot. That's what I like to hear. Wow. Fucking I'm I think, de- like, Detroit has a lot of dope MCs. Yeah. A lot. You know, I, I know there's Royce, there's Big Sean, you know, there's, there's Eminem. There, there, Relative you know, there's to what Guilty people Simpson. know, yeah. <clears throat> uh, but they, they, they just, they're, they're an MC city. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're very Detroit, like. Like, we had that Detroit versus everybody, they're really the one that started that whole well, thing. Well, Detroit and Michigan, whether whatever neighborhood and socioeconomic background you have, it's like it's got an edge to it. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody just has this, like, Detroit versus everybody yeah. vibe. You and know, my it. tattoo artist, shout out to Ben Around Tattoos, he's going to love that. I shouted him out here. Maybe he'll give me a free tattoo. There you go. But he's uh, he's from Michigan, and the way he describes it is everybody's got this edge. Like, they they got a chip, chip on their shoulder. Yeah. And it's no different when you hear the artists that come mm-hmm. out of there, for sure. Yeah. I got to shout out my tattoo artist, too. Uh, Cartoon and nice. uh, Gary Cosmo. Gary Cosmo is the one that did Rage Against the Machines bass player. Uh, you know, he has mm-hmm. uh, Tim, mm-hmm. uh, Timmy uh, has this, it's almost like a black it's sleeve. Clean work. It's and really it's like clean skeletal. Work. Yeah. We were on tour. It's heavy. Yeah, it was in 99. I was on tour with them. I wanted my first tat. And Gary was coming to finish doing the rest of his back and everything. So, What's Rage doing now? Uh, well, you know, they're Prophets of Rage, which is the band with Chuck D and B-Real of Cypress Hill. Yeah. And Chuck D of Public Enemy are the front men. <clears throat> but they're, they're about to go back on the road now as Prophets of Rage. Oh, that's great. So, so it's the Rage, it's, it's, you know, all three of the band members minus Zach. And right. then Chuck D for Public Enemy and B-Real are, the, are the, the, the voices. And they do Cypress Hill music, Public Enemy music, and Rage music all in the same set. I got something that's buried so fucking far, I hope. But me and my buddies, when I was a little kid, I liked Cypress Hill a lot. Right. And we used to get the instrumentals on a tape and rap over it. Oh, yeah. I hope that's so fucking buried. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I think it was... Uh, I think you got to dig him up. You got to let me hear him. Fuck no, dude. Hey, yeah, I'm going to be like, hey, Primo, can I get can you hear my tape? <laughs> no, no like, put your phone to my ear. Yeah. I'll be like... I used to, it was the Tequila Sunrise beat. Oh, okay, yeah. So this was like I was 13. 
This wow. was like the days where we used to go sneak out and smoke cigarettes and that right. sort of bad kid shit yep. and listen to Cypress Hill. the same Hill. thing. I, I love like, that. I my dad smoked Marlboro Reds for a brief time, and I was like, he's When you Marlboro smoke Marlboro Reds. Marlboro Reds, you're not fucking around. No. All right, Marlboro Reds came up. Sorry, I got to stop this interview and talk about Marlboro Reds. Uh, the first cigarette I ever smoked as a young teenager Country store, have no idea how they sold to me and my buddy outside Charlottesville, but we used to get a pack and sneak out into the field in broad daylight and just rip heaters. Uh, only a couple though, because they were Marlboro Reds. And anybody that's had a Marlboro Red knows that they are harsh, especially on young lungs. Um, but this ad here, solid gold, just take another minute, check it out, brilliantly produced, no lies in this ad at all. Very, very, very accurate ad from the 1950s. Check it out. This is a man who smokes Marlboro cigarettes. What kind of a man is he? I'm a guy who likes to work on my car. I like to take it apart and put it back together. I get to working on it and forget where I am, what time it is. I even forget to eat. You don't forget to smoke, though. I always smoke when I work. They go together. Uh, what about, we talked about Detroit, what about an international scene that's up and coming? You, I mean, like, oh, when, we go to play in London, when we go to play in London, we hear rappers all the time, and I'm like, oh, they yeah. got a big scene here. But London's always had a big scene what's, what's in, in the 80s, uh, and Paris's scene is insane yeah. when it comes, and, and it's hardcore. I'm talking about really hardcore, where they wear, we don't know what the fuck they're saying, and it's like, oh, they sound hard. Yeah. It, 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 it's like, yeah. And, and you're just like, yo, I was, yeah. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> exactly. That guy's fucking Leplume, serious. you know. <laughs> so, That's awesome. You know, so, yeah, but, but yeah, for, uh, France is always, has, has a really hardcore scene. A lot of Toronto MCs, you know, well, we, before, way before Drake, there was, uh, you know, Cardinal Official, uh, Thrust. Um, uh, is cannabis from from Canada? No, cannabis is uh, is from the states. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, should big up to to Biss. Well, cannabis. I heard the story that. Uh, yeah, the, uh, he almost got the devil's pie. Yeah, uh, it was made for him. Made for him. D'Angelo, Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, that's what up to D, man. That's my guy, man. Yeah. Yeah, so, we, he's deep. Yeah. He's so deep. That's my guy. Iconic, super iconic. Uh, majorly. Like like out of a different era. Yeah, yeah. No, he <clears throat> we're 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 aliens and and, and I get his alien his yeah. alien ways. I get it. We're we're like we can talk on the same wavelength of, of, of weird. Yeah. And and it's not weird. That's super fucking yeah, cool. That's yeah. good to hear about. Yeah, yeah, you're part of that too. That's sweet, man. I'm in the alien club with you. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Nah, yeah, you're totally that. The what text a, we've done before yeah, with I know, each other. I know. I'm like, yeah, he, he, he's he's connected. <laughs> I he's was connected. just high as fuck. So, uh, <laughs> what um, genre of music you wouldn't expect people to think you pull from? Uh, or, you know, like I talked to action, Polish music. Polish music. Yeah. Polish music. Yeah. I got some Ethiopian jazz I want to Ooh. put you on to. I'd Not that you that. have any shortage of music. Yeah, no, I'm with it. Okay. <laughs> um, first record you ever owned? You kind of mentioned a few. Uh, actually, uh, it was ABC Jackson 5. Okay. No, I want you back. I want you back. Last question. Unexpected track on your... I wrote down iPod, but that, that really aged me that I said iPod. I, 
dude, I just got my iPod at the gym and just had to go get it yesterday because <laughs> so, I still use my iPod. No shit. Yeah, yeah. So what's uh, the most unexpected track on there that people would be like? Unexpected? Uh, hmm. See, I'm, I'm a big Devo fan. Really? Yeah, I went to see Devo. And, they, and they're in their 60s and they were still tearing the stage. Yeah. Up, ripping it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anything Devo, man. Uh, no all shit. their albums. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm into punk music too because, you know, they exploited it. I'm talking about the just grimy art. Right. Anything that was rebellious. But yeah, the. Uh, what? Oh, Yodel music. Yodel music. I love Yodel no music. No shit. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, I, I just bought a Yodel, uh, you know, like compilation on iTunes. It's got like about 60 songs. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, 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 Thanks for listening uh, to week two of our Fishbowl podcast series. Again, DJ Premier, man, what a cool dude. Behind all that bravado, competitive spirit that it takes to get ahead in the, in the hip-hop world, he is an engaging, very uh, charitable, intellectual, caring person uh, with, a, with just a big heart. Uh, and a very interesting person to talk to. A bit of a renaissance man when it comes to the music world. And I guess you have to be to make the classics that he has produced. Uh, so next week, we're going to have my buddy, Marine Kirstianis, uh first female above-the-knee amputee to, to summit Kilimanjaro. That's a 20,000-foot mountain. She did it with one leg. She makes me feel like shit about myself, but not because she's mean, just because she's really awesome and she's done a ton of great stuff in her life. She served our country, wounded in action, survived a helicopter crash, comes back uh, against all odds, becomes an elite athlete, and somebody who continues to serve after her service days were technically over when it came to the military. So uh, she's going to reflect on her life's journey uh, and some of the ways that she's overcome some of the obstacles that have been thrown her way. Pat Tillman Award winner and, uh, and, and my personal friend, Kirstie Ennis, next week.